It turns out that the overturning of Roe saved the lives of multiple thousands of babies across the nation. But some people think that's bad news. Find out why in today's episode. Plus, we bring you great news on a Virginia mom getting the final say, or should we say final prayer, after being banned from religious expression at her school board meeting. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, welcome, everybody. Great to have you back with us for Speak Up Virginia. Before we get started, I just have to reprise a topic here. (laughs) Now, I had told you about during Halloween that we had these 20-foot, 12-foot, 20-foot skeletons, gigantic skeletons cropping up in our neighborhood, and then they just stay up. And it's kind of like... They get back-to-school decorations if it's back-to-school time, and then they transition to Halloween, and now they're going to Christmas. But I'm feeling some poetic justice today because you said you saw these because before you were like, you didn't know what we were talking uh-uh. about. <laughs> I, I literally, I just texted you the other day. I was like, oh, my goodness. I see the skeletons are still here, and it's Christmas time. I don't – they just literally put a Santa hat and maybe, a, like, lights. Like, there were, like, lights on the yeah. one that I saw and a hat. And so somehow now this is a Christmas decoration. Yeah, so I was asking last time, what is the deal with these skeletons? What is the obsession? Well, I might have gotten a little bit of an answer because I found this news article. We're going to put it up on the screen for our, our YouTube viewers. I found this news article from a couple of years ago, and it says that there was this special at Home Depot where they were selling these huge skeletons. (laughs) So we just buy what's on sale, whether it makes any sense or not. Well, apparently it was enough of a trend to make national news, so people were putting them up, and then they just thought, wait a minute, this is going to be a huge pain to take down. No, I think it's not just a pain to take down. I bet they don't have a place to store it, because I looked at how tall the one was. It was literally like, and it was um, in the yard of a ranch house, and so it's not a multi-story house, and so the skeleton almost looked taller. I mean, I don't know. It was taller in the house, but like visually as I was passing it, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's still up because you couldn't figure out what to do with it to take it down. Because I mean, who has an attic or, well, or whatever that's going to do it in pieces? Well, I guess you yeah, put all the bones in a pile because they are just bones. But I just want to say something. Okay, I know I vented about this for Halloween. Okay, but at least the holiday of Halloween is kind of dark and about death kinds of things. Yeah. Christmas is about life and birth, yeah. and now we still have death-related things yeah. on life and Please birth holidays. It's upsetting. Stop, stop transitioning death theme to Christmas. It almost Not appropriate. feels so, like, I mean, just like the culmination of our culture going south is adding death into the holiday about yeah. birth. <laughs> I mean, I did kind of wonder if that Tim Burton cartoon, The Nightmare Before Christmas, probably didn't help. Playing. I don't know if it has these skeletons in it, but, but I it just kind of wonder that popularized yeah. the whole macabre thing I, really there are so many great happy things you can put in your yard or whatever so many lights why why was that insufficient why do we have to add okay. skeletons all right i mean that's a profound day. objection but i just don't like having year-round decorations yeah period. also that <laughs> we have so we have one house in our neighborhood that is trying to desperately make it on the tacky lights tour so this is a thing in richmond i don't know if it's in every city where like you overdo the lights and people literally take limousine rides and they make it a whole anyway we have one that's been trying but they literally kind of do year-round they just it turns into christmas during christmas but then it's become like tacky halloween and there's yeah. fall has a million decorations literally every holiday so we kind of <laughs> have this one house that's like year-round decorations that aren't necessarily tasteful although they have not done that particular house has not gone to this 20-foot 
skeleton. Yeah. So at well, least there's that. It's, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Um, last time we were together, it was kind of a difficult time because we were still processing the aftermath of this rather disappointing election that we all experienced. And I guess we're still kind of coping with that. We did find out about some more encouraging school board results, so that's helpful. Um, but since it was so serious last time, I thought, let's start out with some better news, you know, at least better. So in the wake of what we've been working through, I thought it would be good to start with this really amazing study that was reported in some pretty liberal outlets, including New York Times, NPR. And so it's kind of amazing that they're highlighting it. And what they're saying is that since the Supreme Court overturned Roe, the lives of at least some 32,000 babies have apparently been saved as a result of these states that have been freed up to have more limitations on abortion. Just can you bring us up to speed on what you've seen with these stats and what your thoughts were on it? Yeah, of course, I'm really excited about it, but let me just kind of tell you what it is. So it's the Institute of Labor Economics, and they basically analyze CDC data. And so they reported this 32,000 lives that are in states, as you said, where, that, ha that have passed something more restrictive on abortion. And those are all, this is all post-Dobbs data. So this is after the states had the right to do that. And um, basically the way the researchers put it is, quote, in the first six months of 2023, birth rates rose by an average of 2.3% in states enforcing total abortion bans compared to the control group, right? So you got two two sets of data. Unfortunately, Virginia is on the wrong side of that control group. Um, but where basically um, the other states where they're allowing abortion still to have have um, way too much rain over our unborn children. And basically they're saying there's 32,000 lives out of this that have been born. It's pretty yeah. awesome. And keep in mind, that's just the first few months, right? right? That's I only was, six yeah. months study. So I can't imagine, give better. it a year, give it a couple yeah. years. I mean. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, you got the abortion pill competing with that um, sure. and some other things, but this is very encouraging. I, I hope to see these numbers increase since it's just preliminary. and. The percentage to uh, 2.3, that's actually pretty significant variation, right? Yeah. I mean, according to the NPR article, they said it could reflect as much as a fifth of the people in those states with abortion limits who are estimated to be otherwise would be going for an abortion. So that's mm -hmm. a that's a big number. And I, what's interesting about this is it's sort of like um, they're kind of reporting it as not a good thing. Right. This yeah. is this is their way of saying, like, women need this thing and they can't get to it. And therefore, yeah, um, yeah. we, we've just got to get to the point where children are a blessing, not a burden. Where, like, right. how are we going to as a society understand that better? It is so crazy that they are reporting this as a bad news story. Like To them, this is bad news that babies are being born. And kind of the way this whole thing was spun, they did an interview with one of the authors of the study. And apparently... At least this one author of the study did not feel like this was something to celebrate. And um, this professor told the New York Times, quote, this is an inequality story. And kind of the case they were making was that these stats supposedly reveal in these states with more limitations, more protections for the unborn, that these women couldn't find their way to an abortion clinic or get access to an abortion. So they actually called these women trapped. That was the word used. That was kind of the whole spin. That's their story. I want to hear what the Victoria story is on this. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of things to say about this. I, w I want to start with saying that they, you know, the study showed, you know, typically it's more it's younger 
folks that this was this was their mm-hmm. point about who it's affecting. It's younger women, and they're typically black or Hispanic. Is sort of their their point. And I, I got to be honest with you, um, that speaks to the toll that abortion has taken on the black community. Mm-hmm. And um, this can be talked about in great detail, but. Um, I would think that they should see that actually as a sign of hope that there are more babies coming to these communities. And, um, you know, I think there are people who have opined about what the racial injustice situation would be in our country if we hadn't had abortion take such a toll mm-hmm. on the black community. So there's a lot. And Hispanic now. And, and okay. now the Hispanic community. Um, but here's an interesting sort of thing that isn't in this. Okay, so we have a bit of an, an, a budget crisis going on in our country. We're, we're spending into the deficits. It's a whole disaster. And here's what's interesting about that. Um, we've got a situation. So Social Security is what they call a contract between the generations. Essentially, the working generation pays into Social Security while the older people pull out. Okay. In America, the replacement rate is we need to have women having 2.1, I know that sounds weird, we're not going to have a 0.1 child, but 2.1 children to replace the existing generation. We're at 1.7, which means we're, our Social Security situation is going to basically go bankrupt because we don't have enough people paying in for the people that are pulling out. We're fixing that. So even people who don't care about human life don't believe children are a blessing. I don't understand how they're not looking at this economically and saying we're fixing that. Now, I will say this is a call for the pro-life community because it also means we have to do more to help these women who didn't feel like they could birth a child now are, what is the yeah. support system around them that they need? Something like they say about 55% report a major life circumstance is the reason that they're drawing themselves towards abortion. Mm-hmm. So they lost a job, something like that. So what are we doing also? So this is not just a celebration point. This is a, this is a call. What are we doing for these women to make sure that they are not headed towards poverty, that they are not lacking a yeah. job? Whatever it is that was, they made them think about abortion, Yeah, we got to continue to put that bubble around them. So anyway, there's so many things that can be said about this. I feel like that is a key part of this. Um, But I can't help saying, you know, in what other forum or issue would it be okay to say to mourn the fact that more Hispanic and black babies are born? I mean, you know. Nowhere, nowhere. That is completely (laughs) unacceptable except when we talk about abortion. Right. So I think that says a lot. Um, Unbelievable. But moving on, here in Virginia, unfortunately, we're still dealing with more of the actual, (laughs) the real bad news. Um, It did not take long for our newly elected left-wing Democratic leadership to swing into action and propose a sweeping constitutional amendment that would enshrine unlimited abortion into our law, would codify it in our Constitution. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's a constitutional amendment that's being proposed to protect, quote, reproductive choice. Um, it Interestingly, the word abortion doesn't show up in this. This is always the way. Um, we sort of dodge the actual issue by sort of coding it in nice, happy words. Um, and and so it's, it's a bit... I would say deceptive in nature. And um, but basically the wording says every individual has the fundamental right to reproductive freedom and they're exalting unlimited abortion in the highest form, uh, you know, and saying that we can't protect these things. Let's break that down a little bit. Well, Well, first of all, I just have to say that you have this proposal that doesn't even say abortion. Yes, I do think that's deceptive. Well, so and we've just had an attorney general in another state or a court. I should say we just had a court in another state actually say the wording on something like this uh, isn't isn't honest enough to go to the people. So they do have to watch themselves. I hope yeah. maybe we could, you know, call them out on that. But So they're using the code word reproductive freedom. So that means an education opportunity for us. Right. Um, but 
So you cited the, the wording, every individual has the fundamental right to reproductive freedom. So break that down a little bit. How does this exalt abortion to a higher level of protection? Well, folks um, in our audience know we talk about the fundamental parental right, right? We use it a lot of times, that word fundamental around yeah. parental rights. Why is the word fundamental so important? It, it was intended, fundamental was intended to be the rights given to us by nature and nature's God, right? That's what our founders sort of meant. Like these are intrinsic. They are part of being a human being. And so they're using that word in a very deep rooted way. Um, and it puts it on par with things that are critically important, like the right of conscience, the right of our ability to exercise our faith. I mean, they're really trying to say, mm -hmm. this is a big deal. They're trying to make it like one of the first freedoms. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. Okay. Well, there's some other wording in here that I think is confusing for the average layperson. I'm going to go ahead and read it, um, but I'm going to rely on you to break it down for people. So it refers to, quote, all matters related to one's pregnancy shall not be denied, burdened, or infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest and achieved by the least restrictive means that do not infringe on an individual's autonomous decision making. What, what does that mean? Well, all things, so it's going as wide as possible that this is everything related to pregnancy. Um, so um, I just want to bring out the fact that abortion isn't the only thing related to pregnancy. So are things like, we, I mean, we've battled laws like um, this idea of surrogate children coming into the world that we've literally gone out and picked a parent and, and implant, like literally sort of this designer baby. I mean, okay. there's a lot here that could fit in that's there. beyond that we need to be really careful about yeah. and people really need to think through. And then of course, um, this just this whole idea that unless it's justified by a compelling state interest, well, we think the state has a compelling interest in the unborn child, right? Yes. Like we think life is a fundamental compelling interest or social security, as I was just mentioning, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But um, but we'll, we'll talk about it. it. It goes on to make sure that it's clear that that's not what they're talking about. So that's that's a real concern. I found it interesting that they use the word autonomous since we had this previous discussion of self-autonomy really having the highest value now over the protection of innocent life. Oh, I don't think there's any question we as a society have moved self above all else, above you know, and we've seen this as a progression. It is above other caring for other people, but now it is literally above protecting the human life of another person, mm -hmm. and and they're okay saying that. Okay, well, we're going to talk about in a minute what we're going to do about this. But first, I know one question people have is, is this going to protect or threaten, really? Sorry, what I mean to say is, is this going to threaten parental rights when it comes to people's kids getting abortions? Yeah, I don't think there's any question that we have a real problem here. Um, the One of the very few restrictions we still have in, in Virginia on abortion is parental rights, that a teenager, when they come to this moment where they're in a crisis and they are considering abortion, they need to involve a parent. And we, we couldn't speak more about how important that is. And so, yes, it is because, again, there's no, they actually outline that the only compelling interest that could ever be in play here is the health of the woman. So the next sort of sentence talks about that's the only thing that's going to matter. Mm -hmm. And therefore, even parental rights, which is a fundamental right. Right. Yes. They're going to say because that next line says the only compelling interest we think the state could ever have is in the woman there will never be a compelling interest to save the, the child, the child. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. The child's life. Right. Yeah. So even if we, you know, even if viability or we can talk about other mm -hmm. reasons why you would say this is a compelling interest at this point, the child can be born outside the womb at this point. We're, uh, for example, 
Um, the idea that people, the pain, the pain, the pain part. part um, another compelling interest is the idea that we don't want a society that says we don't like women. We're going to abort all female girls. Mm. It wouldn't be a compelling wow. interest. Think about that. Like sex yeah. discrimination in abortion would not be a compelling interest. So there's going to be nothing. And parental rights is one of those things. And so, yes, I think this would immediately come into play of uh, attempting to strike down our parental rights on abortion. So we really are opening up Pandora's box here. And the thing people need to realize with parental rights, I mean, that is a huge barrier to sexual exploitation. Yes, sex trafficking. Yeah, because if you don't have to have parental rights, you can bring in this 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl as a sex trafficker, get another abortion. I mean, that that eliminates a huge barrier to that. There's zero question that we have just made it easier in the lives of sex traffickers, pimps, other people that are taking advantage of women and coerced boyfriends. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the men involved in this pregnancy now play a bigger part in pressuring women because the parent, when they're under 18, that parent can't step in and try to be her protector. Well, and we've seen news stories about abusive boyfriends doing this. Yes. Um, but I'll just kind of move ahead here to some people are saying that this is our version that's proposed right now, Virginia version, is actually worse than the Ohio one. Is that true in your mind? Um, it is certainly worse in the area of abortion. Ohio's language swept in all sorts of other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the fact of abortion, because we explicitly have in this language that this compelling interest can only pertain to the individual, it means viability is not even in question. And Ohio... I think Ohio tried to trick people is what Ohio tried to do. They had they had lip service to the idea of viability. So it kind of said something about viability, but then it said, oh, by the way, but in the case that it's already viable, you can still have a physician step in and say it's okay for the life and, and health of the right. mother. Is that mental health? Is that broad so exception? We felt like the exception was enough to run a truck through, but at least they acknowledge there's a thing called viability All right, and just, that that matters. So which just we don't. to clarify for people, viability, I mean, we're talking the about- The point at which a baby can survive outside the womb. So we're talking about the whole infamous Northam kind of statement. Oh yeah, up until about, the moment of birth. Or yeah, after. If the, if the baby's on the deli- could survive on the delivery table. Uh, the, yes, this is, um, I mean, America has, has been having a conversation about late-term abortion, partial birth abortion since the 90s. But this is literally saying, and we're talking about that. We mean that's okay, and we can't protect against yeah. um, ripping a child apart when they are literally. Yeah. I mean, this is horrible wording, but I'm telling you, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, well, and I might have kind of confused the issue because just so talking about unborn children with this, uh, I guess this constitutional amendment is specifically addressing unborn children. We're not even getting to the point of yeah, the yeah, delivery. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but the point is, it doesn't even have protection if the baby is so far along that they could survive on the delivery table. Correct. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, I guarantee you, if we were able to pass a Baby Born Alive Act, so that's a bill we've been trying to pass for a long time that says, look, if a baby is born alive and was intended to have an abortion there's a there's a botched abortion we can we can protect that child with every kind of medical i mean that's what it's saying we're going to like step in that's what that bill is designed to do i have no doubt if this passed and we also were able to somehow pass that bill i still think they'd try to challenge it legally and claim that this somehow okay uh, i just think they'd, yeah. they'd find a way to so it challenge it I, I, yeah. I would say no but i would say they'd fight to say they, that it is yeah all right i think Again, this Pandora's box, the truly unlimited abortion that we're talking about here. Um, All right. Help us understand the process that is going to happen for this to reach the people on a ballot. Well, thankfully, we can't change our Constitution overnight in Virginia. And that is a good news story. And that is because our founders intended for those kind of massive changes 
using the words fundamental rights and adding them into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. They meant for those to be slow. I, I jokingly tell people, you know, things are slow at the federal level and they're on purpose. Our founders created a system that, that didn't just instantly change with the whim of the people. Well, those yeah. founders were Virginians and they set yeah. up our, our state the same way. You watch other states sometimes and they, they literally run out and get signatures and then put something on the ballot and then people vote on it and it's law. We just don't do that here in Virginia. So this constitutional amendment, the way it works is it will be proposed this year. So the 2024 session, the General Assembly will review it. We will try to block it. Should it pass, we move forward. You'll have a 2025 session. You'll see it kind of dormant for a little while because there's nothing they can do on it that changes the status. But what happens is our code requires that in order to change our Constitution, two different general assemblies have to agree on it. Well, how do you get a different general assembly? You have to have an election. So that's why it's going to sit dormant because they're kind of ahead of themselves here mm -hmm. because the next election is 2025. So the House of Delegates, so we'll pass it, sit dormant. We'll have an election in 2025. They'll get a new general assembly by nature of having a new House of Delegates. We actually don't change out the Senate then, but it's considered a new mm -hmm. general assembly. Okay. It would have to pass January of 2026, that next session. And if it were to pass, it would go to the people in the fall of 2026, so November 2026. I want to remind people, because we've been talking about at least now with a liberal House and Senate, we don't have a governor that's liberal also, but mm -hmm. the governor doesn't get a say on constitutional amendments. This bypasses the governor. So oh. all of us who wish, in this case, Governor Youngkin, who has said he's pro-life, could just know we're not going to pass this on, he can't. That's not his role. So it's a long process. But it is a little bit of a scary process, and we're in a scary step one. So that was an excellent explanation. <laughs> it really was. Thank you. Um, so in a sense, it, this is a, the, the delay process offers hope for us, yes. a window of hope, because if this was going to go through right now, um, we do have a high bar to opposing it because, we, you know, now the House and the Senate in Virginia are controlled by Democrats. Yep. So that's going to make things difficult. We're still going to give it our best. Mm hmm. Um, we are never going to give up that fight, That's but right. it's, it is a high bar. Um, and the cultural climate right now, which we talked about with ballots, yep. um, with these kind of constitutional amendments, um, people, the voters, they're not where they should be on this. That's um, right. So if it were happening right now, that would be scary. Um, but we have this blessing of having a year, as you said, for it to sit, basically. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on whether in the next year or two, we can see a shift in culture, especially in Virginia, to get people better educated on just what a Pandora's box this is, yeah. just how unlimited it would have no limits on abortion, basically. So I'm actually very optimistic, and maybe that's people kind of think that's crazy, but I am. And, and there's a number of reasons. The first one is post-Dobbs, we're only a year out from this radical change in America where we've been on this 50-year direction of legal abortion, and all of a sudden we're writing a different narrative. That has a reaction, and the reaction has been swift, and that's why these other states have gone down, is just sort of people going, wait a second, are we ready for no abortion? And I believe that that will tone down, meaning we're so close from when we just got this change. People are really amped up. I think each, each year from that decision, it will come down a bit. So that's just one little sort of look at history kind of thing. But the second part that makes me really optimistic is that I believe we have a chance to educate folks. Um, I actually, I mean, I want Virginia to be 
majority pro-life from the moment of birth. Let's get on this train. You guys are on the wrong side of history when you don't understand that we're protecting human life. Like one day, people will look back and they'll go, wow, they did this, this barbaric thing called abortion. I really believe that. I, 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 maybe that's insane, but I really believe that. But we're not there yet. But I do think where Virginians are, even in this moment, so we just had an election, everybody's saying it was all about pro-abortion. I think in Virginia where we are now is that people kind of want status quo. They're, they're kind of like, it's okay right now. Don't change it. And I think what happened in our last election is the Democrats made the case that the Republicans were going to change it. Yeah. And the Republicans didn't make the case that Democrats want to do this, this extreme right. thing. The Republicans failed to make that case strong enough. If, if we ever got to the point where this really was our ballot, they're the ones trying to go extreme. They want to change status quo in a very terrible way. I do think we could really help the public understand that. Now, am I excited for that opportunity? No, I would like this to not get to the people because I believe that we absolutely should not be changing our constitution with this kind of fundamental right. I shouldn't even be asking that kind of question, but... Yeah, I totally agree. I think some of them actually made statements that they wanted the status right. quo. And, and they then, didn't know what the status quo was. They, they don't even necessarily have clarity around what yeah. is our abortion law. But they just go, OK, I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't know about it. I don't want to know about it. Let's just. But I mean, the Democrat leaders, some of them made statements. Oh, they acted like they the were. election. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. The Democrats quo. acted like <laughs> their position was we're going to leave things the way it is. Yeah. And then they come this immediately. Is their first step. And, yeah. and those of us that follow politics knew this, but that's not the everyday person. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm optimistic. And well, uh, let me just say one more really quick thing. Um, this is we are sitting here in December of 2023. We're talking about something that worst case scenario makes it through the process. November 2026. That is a lot of time for us to educate the Virginian people to understand human life. And darn it, we're going to do that. I mean, our I'm really thinking about and we're not going to wait till it shows up on the ballot. What are we going to do to help? I mentioned this earlier in the show to help our society embrace children as a blessing. How are we going to move hearts and minds? We've got a couple yeah. years. We're not in some of these states. We're in really jammed up positions. It's like, boom, Dobbs passes and I've got something on the ballot in four months. Yeah, we're not in that position. So we're going to take advantage of really helping people understand this issue. Thank you, Virginia founders, yes. that we are not in that yes. position. <laughs> um, but the other thing that gives me encouragement is that we still have a lot of traction with this parental rights Absolutely. issue. People are for parental rights, the majority of people. And so I hope that we can wake people up that way, that it would jeopardize, at least on the issue of abortion, that as well. Yeah. Most moms don't want to find out that their child has had an abortion without their knowledge. And I think that can be a leading issue related to this constitutional amendment. All right. Well, after all of that, I feel like we need to end on an up note again. That would be good. Okay, well, we do have some great news to share. Some of our listeners might remember us talking about a Suffolk City mom named Angela Kilgore who tried to give a public comment at her school board meeting. And in, she just I think she just spontaneously thought she wanted to include a prayer at the end of it. She said something like, you know, I just feel like our, our city is not going to make it through this without prayer. And she was promptly shut down, I might add, in a very rude and abrupt <laughs> manner by the school board chair um, but the audience was having none of that and if you remember they all decided to or at least several mobs in the audience decided to stand up and begin spontaneously reciting the lord's prayer and it just got kind of crazy after that because then the school board leadership asked the police to clear the room of these praying moms and went into recess as if you know again parents being treated like some kind of terrorist threat or something they got to clear their room so it's a little crazy but the good news is that wasn't the end of the story 
Yeah, we're really excited because this is a case that our, our law center, Founding Freedoms Law Center, kind of stepped in to help her out, and they joined with First Liberty. Folks might remember First Liberty Institute is the one that has represented Coach Kennedy with the football situation. Mm-hmm. So they're they're very well-versed in religious freedom issues, and they came together and they sent a letter to the Suffolk School Board and kind of said, hey, guys, FYI, here's what the law says about this, and you're really a little bit out of line. And after the board sort of denied wrongdoing and they sort of doubled down on their decision, our law center kept following up and kind of um, pushing on them and um, ultimately um, they basically just made the case that she should be allowed to pray and apparently the school board finally realized this and that they had sort of misstepped and maybe kind of overdid their hand there and how they wanted it to go down and so anyway at the November 9th school board meeting Angela was permitted to pray or make comments and included a prayer yeah and boy she did it with gusto yeah we're gonna play a clip of that in a moment first I'm just putting up a picture real quick For our YouTube viewers of Angela and our legal counsel, Josh Hetzler, they look very happy. This is the night that she said the prayer. So it was just fun, um, first of all, to be able to her the situation to be rectified like that and for her to have some form of justice. But, Victoria, help us understand what is the bigger issue at stake, even just in a symbolic matter, for her to be able to say this prayer in the end? Yeah, our our point, the reason our law center stepped in is because we've got to tell these governments that they cannot disfavor religious speech, that they can't treat people of faith who want to share something that connects to their faith. They can't treat them differently than everybody else. And so we were pleased with this outcome and the, the correction that they made. And they essentially acknowledged that they were wrong to discriminate. I don't know if they exactly completely said it, but they certainly backtracked and um, allowed her to express her religious speech. Yes. So it seems fitting that Angela was able to have this blessing right before Thanksgiving. And I just want to play a clip of her uh, comment and prayer. This board does not get to tell me when or how to pray. You were wrong by shutting me down. You know it. I know it. And now everyone will know it. With a vote on the transgender policy tonight, I'll leave you with this. Matthew 18, 6. But whosoever causes one of these little ones who trust in me to stumble, it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be sunk in the, de- and to be sunk in the depth of the sea. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would grant our school board wisdom as they seek to shape our laws in rapidly shifting and increasing polarized topic. We pray for your mercy on our nation. Please help our leaders to issue good guidance, particularly regarding education in schools. And may they be courageous in pursuing what is right and just, rather than caving into the demands of ideological pressure groups. Please particularly help them to protect parental rights in knowing what their children are being taught and how they are presenting themselves within school. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. I think it's really encouraging that you can hear people in the audience clapping for her. I think they they felt the victory in this. Some of them were yeah. at the original meeting and so forth. So I think it was just important, uh, symbolically, for those that were observing, you know, in the audience to just be able to see that they can. I think it's also just generally important for people to see that they can push back against government when yeah. government does stuff like this. Like, even if this isn't your issue, just seeing that people have the resolve and they go do something about it and they get resolution. Yeah, I think that's why you heard that clapping, because there is some an emotional encouragement for people just observing this. Um, but what would happen if she didn't say anything? I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. She could have she could have attempted to pray. They could have shut her down. It could have been the end of the story. And I think that would have chilled all religious speech in the future for Suffolk. So yeah. I'm I'm super happy about the outcome and happy for her and and, yeah. and, and, and just for others who witnessed this, for them to know, no, I'm not going to be I can't be treated differently. I'm not going to be treated differently just because I'm a person of faith. Yeah. And I think it prevents a ripple effect, too, for other 
our school board. Absolutely. So. We do hope this story it has gotten some national attention, and we yeah. do hope, especially the ones in Virginia that we pay attention to, have heard the message and All right. treat people appropriately. Well, I think that's a great note to wrap up on. It's nice to have something encouraging to end on and all the other cultural chaos that we're experiencing. So I'm glad to bring some positive news for our listeners. So I just want to remind everyone, remember to share our Speak Up Virginia playlist and get the word out. And also, since we talked a lot about protecting life in the womb today, it is important that you get the word out about this year's March for Life. That's going to happen on February 21st. This is an excellent opportunity for you to be proactive, get the word out that we're not giving up on protecting life in the womb, especially with this constitutional amendment that if passed would be devastating. So you want to get out there and visibly represent and let friends know. Again, February 21st, there's a banner on our webpage. And with that said, remember, we are stronger when we speak together. See you next time.